This is going to be the fourth and final week of a sermon series that we've been calling The Good Fight, How to Endure to the End. And we've been talking about spiritual warfare. And we've learned a lot about who the enemy is, why he works to destroy the lives of people who really go after God with all of their heart. We've even talked about how he does it. The devil is the father of lies. He is the deceiver, and he works overtime to accuse and to condemn and to manipulate and to control. And we've already talked about some of the ways that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. I hope you'll go back and watch or listen to the previous messages if you've missed any, because this is an equipping series for you in the realm of spiritual warfare. This weekend, I want to talk to you about the greatest asset that we have in this war that's being waged against us in the heavenly realm. And that asset is the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't talk about spiritual warfare and not talk about the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. So this weekend, I want to share a message with you called accessing our asset. Accessing our asset. And I'm going to give you this whole sermon in one sentence. And that's this. The Holy Spirit is our helper and he never withholds. Write those things down. The Holy Spirit is our helper and he never withholds. Let me start by defining asset. I think most of us immediately think of uh, property or something of value because that's the number one definition of asset. Um, something that is useful or valuable. It can be a thing. It can be a person. It can even be the quality of a person. But asset is also defined as, and I want you to hear me, something useful in an effort to foil the plans or defeat an enemy, such as a piece of military equipment, or a spy, okay? And so I can't think of anything more useful in foiling the plans of the enemy than the Holy Spirit. Can you guys? <laughs> the idea of the Holy Spirit being an asset actually came to me in 2020 when Satan was just feeding on the anxiety and the fear that was being projected across the world because of COVID-19, the coronavirus. And... Um, you could just feel in that season, I think you remember, wasn't that long ago, you could feel the enemy coming against the church. Remember that? I was in prayer one day, and I felt like I kept hearing the Lord inside of my head saying, call in the asset. Call in the asset. Now, you may be thinking, that's kind of a weird thing to hear inside of your head when you're in prayer. But God knows that I am a huge fan of Jason Bourne. All right. We have any other Jason Bourne fans in the house? Give a shout if you are into Jason Bourne. Yes. <laughs> Big fans. <laughs> so if you don't know the story, Jason Bourne was the very first and best operative or asset of a CIA black ops program. Jason Bourne was an assassin. But on one of his missions to assassinate someone, he gets hurt and he loses his memory. 
And in the process of rediscovering who he is, he decides that he doesn't want to be an assassin anymore. He doesn't want to be a killer. And obviously, there's a lot more to that story. But bottom line, Noah Vossen, who was the leader of this CIA black ops program, now sees Jason Bourne as a threat and wants to take him out. And so there's this scene where Noah Vossen says, call in the asset. And so he calls in another assassin to take out Jason Bourne. Now, obviously, the asset in that scenario makes the asset a bad guy. My point is this CIA black ops program and these assets existed because when the CIA needed to take out a threat, there were those who existed that had unique abilities that no one else had. And so they could call on them. And they could count on them. They could be confident that the threat would be eliminated. Jason Bourne was originally an asset. And if you know the movie, you know the story. He was told that he would be saving lives. I want you to listen to me. Jesus has always been about saving lives. Saving lives and then seeing the people that he saves live Life to the full. You've heard me say this before. John chapter 10, 10 identifies two wills for your life. Satan has a will for your life. Jesus said that his will for your life is to steal, kill, and destroy you. But God's will for your life, Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And I want you to think about it. Jesus spent three years on this earth saving lives and teaching people, modeling to people how to live a full life. And then he went away. He went back to the right hand of God. But before he left, he called in the asset. John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the asset, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And you've heard me say this before, but the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that if you are a born again follower of Jesus, then Romans 6 says that you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living inside of you. A few scriptures, Galatians 4, 6, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you? That's what Jesus was telling his disciples before he went away. He says in John 16, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. It's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus wanted these guys to understand that our initial connection with God is made possible through Jesus. But our continual connection with God is made possible through the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean Jesus left, Jesus is not important, Jesus, no. 
is that the Holy Spirit's job in our lives is to point to Jesus and everything that Jesus was, everything that Jesus did while on this earth, the Holy Spirit continues through the body of Christ. Amen. And Jesus was super serious about this whole topic. He told his disciples in John 14, he said, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Interesting thing. You're going to need this for when we get a little further down the road here. That word helper can be translated advocate. Like in your Bibles, it may say, um, I will give you another advocate, comforter, counselor, intercessor. There's several words that can be used here, but advocate, comforter, counselor. I'm sending you another intercessor and he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he abides with you talking about himself with them, but very soon will be in you. And then a little bit later, he says the same thing, but he says it in a different way. He says, John baptized you with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we know that Jesus is talking about the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. We studied, we've been in the prophets and paused for this sermon series, but we talked about Joel. And we talked about Joel chapter 2, an event where God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. The day when God would give his followers the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, And we know that happened Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down. That moment in history when God made the full and continual power of his Holy Spirit available to all of his followers. Powerful for living day to day, like living lives worthy of the calling. Peter talks about that in 2 Peter 1. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness, but also for spiritual warfare. In fact, I want us to look one more time before we get out of the series at Ephesians chapter 6. So go ahead and turn there. This has kind of been an anchor section of scripture for us in this series. And we've been starting in verse 10, Ephesians 6 verse 10, where the apostle Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Then he says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But then he gives that list. Here's what we wrestle against. Here's what we battle against. Here's what's coming against us. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then after he identifies what this war is all about, it's not against flesh and blood. We all wish it was, right? That way we just square up with something and punch it in the mouth. But that's not what this battle is against. It's about dark spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. And so he says, what you got to do is you've got to take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm then. And then he gets into the list of what we know as the armor of God. He says, having belted your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16 says, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, that sounds like a pretty good outfit to fight in. Amen. That's a great list. But then he doesn't stop. Look what he says next. He gives this amazing outfit to fight in. And then verse 18, he says, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. So Paul's saying that even after you put on all of these powerful pieces of armor, he says your greatest asset in this spiritual battle is the power of the Holy Spirit. So remember to pray in the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Some would say that that means praying in tongues, but that's really not what Paul is saying. What he means is on all occasions and with every kind of prayer, pray. The idea is that prayers are built upon prayers that are built upon even more prayers if you can imagine yourself trying to get over a wall that's tall enough to where you can't scale it with your own hands, it's smooth and you can't get a hold. And so I got to get over this wall. I got to get over this wall. I got to get over this wall. And all you can do is look around and say, what can I pile up against this wall to where in the end, after I climb over all these things, I can get over this wall. I remember being a kid, eight, nine, 10 years old, maybe. And I wanted to get on top of the shed. Okay, but the way that my dad had the ladder stored inside of the shed, I couldn't get to it, wasn't strong enough, and there's too much stuff to pull off the ladder to get it out to get on top of the shed. So, what I started doing is piling up all the things that I could find outside of the shed, like this barrel, and I had this crate of pieces of wood, and I make my way up to the top of my shed. And in my hand, I had a rope. At the other end of that rope was my bicycle. Okay, so I'm on top of the shed and I pull my bicycle up. Now, you may ask yourself, why in the world would you want to get on that shed with your bicycle? Because I'm going to ride the bicycle off of the shed. What are you asking me that for? I mean, is that not something that we all do? So that's what I did that day. I rode my bicycle off my shed. It didn't go too well. Let's say I have been a tenor ever since. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You'll catch that later. So listen, Paul is saying, pile up every kind of prayer that you can think of. Group prayer. Personal prayer. Individual prayer. If you don't like to pray out loud, pray with silent prayer. If you like to shout, shouting prayer. Whatever works for you. Walking prayer. Anybody ever been on a prayer walk? Walk and pray. You can kneel. You can pray eloquent prayers. All forms of prayer, groaning prayers, praying in tongues, praying the scriptures. Paul is talking about constant prayer. He's talking about fervent prayer. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says to pray without ceasing. Again, his point is to keep praying, trusting that the Holy Spirit is our helper and he never withholds. And listen, Believing that the Holy Spirit really is bad to the bone. Like he really does have the ability to help you deal with anything, especially 
spiritually dark forces that may be coming against you. And the Holy Spirit specializes in dealing with darkness. He's good at it because he's been doing it for a really long time. Think about your first introduction in Scripture to the Holy Spirit. Where do we first see the Holy Spirit in Scripture? Yeah, Genesis chapter 1, which is why I had you turn there. Okay, so look at Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, whoop, there he is, was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, now let's break all this down. In the original Hebrew language that this was written in, without form means a place of chaos. It was chaotic. can also mean confusion. The earth was chaotic. It was in turmoil. It was confused. To say that the earth was void means that it was empty, that it was ruined. It laid in ruin. That word can also mean without hope. And that was the condition the earth is in. The, the Bible translation, um, another one uses covered. Darkness covered the face of the deep. I personally believe that darkness covered, covered the earth like an oppressive presence. Keeping the earth in a condition of chaos and confusion. Empty and hopeless. I have a memory of riding the school bus, again, grade school, and you learn a lot on the school bus, don't you? Especially if you live out in the country like I did, because that school bus, it wasn't a 10-minute ride. It could be an hour and a half ride. How many of you know on the school bus, you can learn a lot in an hour and a half each way, right? Things you don't want to learn, things you wish you could forget, right? But I have a memory of being on the school bus, and there was a, a kid who another big kid, maybe even a junior high, it was a little kid, but a junior high kid, maybe even high school kid, was bullying. And they had emptied out his backpack, and they put the backpack over the kid's head and was holding him down and making fun of him and punching on him and stuff. And, uh, and the kid was screaming out, and I'm sure that he was thinking he was going to die because he couldn't breathe, and he was being smothered, and he couldn't see, and it was dark, and it was scary, and this big gorilla thing was on top of him. And so me, I kind of had a hero complex back in those days. And I thought, I'm going to save this guy. <laughs> and so, but I'm just as little as he is. So all I, needed, uh, all I knew to do was to jump on this big old guy's back like Xena, Prince's warrior, and go, Whoa! start beating on him, beating on him, beating on him, beating on him. And it freaked him out enough to where he let the kid go. And the kid was fine. The kid was safe. Now, I will say that that event made me the target in the future. And so there's times I also have memories of being the one on the bottom being punched and stuff. And so because of that, I've gone to lots of counseling and but it's going to be okay. <laughs> I don't even know why that memory came up when I was talking about this. Crazy. But I want to pause because... I wonder if anyone has ever felt like that kid. Like something dark has put a bag over your head. It's like you can't see. You can't breathe. You can't get away. You're trapped. It's like you can't seem to break free. And, and you feel hopeless that that's going to change. 
feels hopeless that life will be any different. It's a familiar feeling for all of us. Did you know that in those seasons or in those moments when you have that overwhelming feeling that your chaotic, confused, dark, and hopeless situation will never change? Did you know that the Spirit of God is super close to you? Just like he was the earth there in the beginning when it was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. It says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit, the third person in what we call the Trinity, was there with God. I mean, the Holy Spirit is God, right? But the Holy Spirit was with God in the beginning. And at this point, he was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, that word hovering can also be translated to brood. In fact, your translation may say the Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the waters. And there's really only two ways that we would ever use that word brooding. When we're thinking deeply about something that bothers us, you guys know what it means to brood? Like we're thinking about something, something bothers us, maybe our brows are a little furrowed. We're just brooding on something. Or of a bird sitting on some eggs trying to hatch them. And I believe that the Holy Spirit in this scene was both bothered by the chaotic, dark, confusing, empty conditions of the earth and ready to hatch a plan to bring the earth to life. Because the next thing that we read is God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit went to work and he did what he does. He pushes out the darkness and he replaces it with light. The Holy Spirit brings peace to chaotic situations. He fills up and brings purpose to places that are empty and hopeless. Amen. I mean, don't you think that the Holy Spirit is bothered when our lives are chaotic and empty? He 100% is. Don't you think he's ready with a plan to fill us up again, to bring light into the darkness? Absolutely. And I want you to think about something. We have it way better than the earth did at creation. Because it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the water, ready to go, ready to move. For us, he is hanging out inside of our hearts, ready to go, ready to help. But we have to call in the asset. Amen. Now, remember, we said that an asset is something or someone that has unique abilities that can be called on, that can be counted on to eliminate whatever it is that's threatening us, whatever it is that's coming against us. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you 10 biblical bat of the bone abilities of our asset. Are you ready? Yeah. Write these down. I'll try not to preach them, but you know how it is. 10 biblically bad to the bone abilities of our asset. Number one, the Holy Spirit is always with us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? 2 Timothy 1, 14, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, listen to what he says, carefully guarding the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. The Holy Spirit in your life is like a secret service agent. Always around. 
always watching, always looking out and guarding against potential threats. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is always around? Yes. Number two, and this is an important one. The Holy Spirit affirms our position in Christ. This is huge. So one of the greatest assets that we have in our efforts to go all out for God. Romans 8, 16 says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 2 Corinthians 1, 22, he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge of what is to come. I love that. I want you, everybody look up at me. I want you to think about it. When you are confident in who God is, and then who you are in him, in Christ, it's really hard to bring you down. I want you to think about the times where you have been brought, like that temptation grabbed you and threw you down to the ground, or that lie, that accusation, whatever it was that you believed. If you traced it back, somehow it could have been rooted in the fact that you were insecure, uh, insecure about who you are in Christ. And so one of the most powerful advantages in our life having the Holy Spirit always with us is that he is constantly affirming our position in Christ. Think about when Satan was trying to tempt Jesus and bring him down in the desert when he was fasting. What is one of the things he said? Are you really the son of God? And Jesus is like, uh, yes, I am. <laughs> no, this is, this is a stupid conversation. But he tried, didn't he? Absolutely. And he succeeds most of the time when he tries to draw us away by lying to us about who we really are or how God sees us and views us. Let's keep going. Number three, bad of the vulnerability of the asset. The Holy Spirit produces godly fruit in our lives. Now, this is awesome because um, if we were trying to produce fruit on our own, we would never be fruitful. We just can't produce fruit our own. Jesus talked about that all kinds of times, right? But one of the Holy Spirit's ability in our lives is to bear fruit or to produce fruit in our lives. So Galatians 5.22, here's an example, not an exhaustive list of fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. John chapter 15, Jesus says, if you will abide in me, your translation may say, remain in me. If you will abide in me and I in you, which we know he will, he promises to the Holy Spirit, right? is always with us. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The Holy Spirit produces godly fruit in our lives. So let that be um, a pressure valve released in your life today. If you've been working your heart to the bone trying to produce something good in your life, but you have not invited the Holy Spirit in, if you have not accessed your asset, now you know. You can stop working so hard to be good and just acknowledge the Lord in your life and press in and invite uh, the asset in. And he will produce that fruit. Awesome ability, isn't it? Number four, the Holy Spirit helps us overcome temptation. 
aren't you glad for this bad-to-the-bone ability of the asset? The Holy Spirit helps us overcome temptation, Galatians 5.16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And of course, we know Hebrews 4 says that Jesus was tempted in all things, just as we were, and yet he never sinned. The Holy Spirit, when you find yourself in this place, man, it's hard. I want that. My flesh wants that. I feel like I should do that or have that. Did you know that you can call in the asset and he will help you overcome that temptation? And that sin will not give, uh, that temptation will not give birth to sin. Man, love that ability. Aren't you grateful for it? Number five, the Holy Spirit brings conviction to our hearts. Here's the reality. Sometimes we don't listen to the Holy Spirit when, he, when he's trying to keep us away from that temptation. Sometimes we don't listen and we fall into sin. We commit a sin. We transgress against the Lord. Here's what I love. When we do, the Holy Spirit will convict us of that. Sometimes we sin and we don't even realize it. Maybe it was an attitude that we weren't aware of. Maybe it's something that we said. It was hateful. We didn't, we didn't know it in the moment. Or maybe it is something sinful. We didn't even know it was a sin. The Holy Spirit in your life has the ability to point that out. Why would he want to point that out? So that you will, be, um, so you will repent for that sin. And there wouldn't be this growing chasm between you and God in your relationship with him. That's why he exists. He wants to bring conviction to our hearts. He will, Jesus said, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Y'all good? We got a few more. You ready? Number six, bad of the bone ability of our asset. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Jesus himself said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I can't think of a time in history where we need this ability of our asset more. We are living in a very um, relativistic, is that even a word, age. A time where, where uh, well, this is true for you, but that's not my truth. Truth is just relative. Like truth is not like an anchor for our, the society that we live in or even the world. It's crazy. And truth seems to be changing. You can't even grab a hold of it. But there is an anchored truth that we can count on. And set our feet on, right? And it's in the word of God. And the Holy Spirit can guide us into that truth. And so maybe you're presented with this thought or this idea or this possibility or this way of living. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, so many people are into it. I mean, it sounded really good. And there was a whole movie about it. The Holy Spirit will say, yeah, that's not right. That's not real. That's not true. But they were so convincing and so loud. God says, listen to the Holy Spirit. He will be louder if you will access your asset. Amen. Number seven, the Holy Spirit counsels us through our trials. This is a big deal because Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. You will have trials. You will have tribulations. But it's all good because I will be with you through all of that. How is he even going to be with us? He was going to go away because he sent us the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will be with you even in trials and he will counsel you through them. Anybody ever gone through a hard thing? And it was just hard. And there's so many variables, so many nuances to what you were going um, through. And it was just like it, you didn't know what to do. You didn't know how to anchor yourself with reality. The Holy Spirit can do that. He can counsel you. He can help you get perspective. 
He can help talk you and walk you through that. The devil creates trials in our lives because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he brings chaos and he brings confusion in whatever way. But here's an, uh, an, an also true thing. The Lord allows that trial. The Lord allows, I mean, nothing can get across the great principle in the sky's desk, right? If it happened, God had to sign off on it. So, yeah, the enemy comes in. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And God's like, you know what? I'm going to allow this. Why? Because I want my servant to grow in strength. God knows that if we, if we will lean in on the asset, that we can experience joy and peace. If we'll press into the Holy Spirit. John 14 um, is one of the places it calls the Holy Spirit the counselor. But look at Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may be overflowing with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. If we don't call in the asset, if we don't depend upon the Holy Spirit and ask him to give us strength, to give us his power, what will happen is Satan will come in and he will start offering us another perspective on what's going on. We can't let that happen. We've got to lean on the counsel of the Holy Spirit because, trust me, the enemy is willing to give us all kinds of counsel. But it's going to include lies and accusation. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit comforts us in our pain. Number eight, the Holy Spirit comforts us in our pain. Remember that word for helper can mean counselor. It can mean comforter. And I want you to think about it. Anything can cause us pain. When we're going through pain, something's hurting us, it doesn't have to be the devil that came against us to create that pain. Life just happens. Isn't that right? We talked about that last week. But the devil knows how to exploit that pain. Something hard happens. Something painful happens. He didn't cause it, but he will certainly exploit it. And his lies are um, loudest in our lives when we are vulnerable in our pain. And we have to be careful and rely on the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another comforter, that he may be with you forever. Matthew 5 it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How is that possible? Because of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 34, 18, we're familiar with this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Not just hovering around somewhere above it. No, he is literally in our hearts. He can't get any nearer to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I want you to listen to me. This is for someone. If we don't look to the comfort of the Holy Spirit, when our spirits are crushed, we will look to things other than the Holy Spirit. And those things have the potential to drag us down and away from the Lord. <clears throat> Think about the things in life that we will look to to comfort us. Most addictions start because of a need to be comforted. Mentally, emotionally, even physically. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will comfort you in your pain. Don't look to lesser things. Look to the Holy Spirit. Call in the asset, the comforter. Amen. Yeah. Number nine, the Holy Spirit gives us power 
over fear. This is a good one. This is a really good one. Well, Pastor Tony, I don't struggle with fear. Oh, okay. He gives us power over anxiety. Well, I don't struggle with that either. Okay. He gives us power over worry. Am I hitting any nerves yet? <laughs> I don't worry over concern. Well, I don't concern. You're a liar. <laughs> you got bigger problems. You're afraid to tell the truth, right? Second <laughs> Timothy one says, uh, one seven says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's what he's given us. And then we've heard first John four 18 before there is no fear in love. Remember love is the very first fruit of the Holy spirit. So when we're growing in that fruit of the Holy spirit, love, it says that perfect love or perfected love or growing love is strong enough to cast out fear. You see how this is all connecting? The Holy spirit gives us power over fear. If you're someone that is just kind of fearful, fretting, you're an anxious person. You struggle with anxiety. That's a big thing now. I'm struggling with anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And there's even pride around. I'm, I, yes, my thing is anxiety. Did you know that God doesn't want that to be your thing? He doesn't. He wants love to be your thing. And he wants that love to cast out your anxiety. I'm not minimizing what you're going through. I'm just saying there is a way out. Call in the asset. Amen. Last one. And I saved this one for last on purpose. I want you to hear me. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. That's what scripture tells us. Romans 8. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that are too deep for words. And there's all kinds of ways that you could apply and appropriate this, but I'm thinking about what we just read in Ephesians chapter 6, we learn who the enemy is, and it's dark and heavenly places, pretty powerful, not flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of darkness and heavenly places. And Paul says, but you can overcome it if you'll stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And then he gives us this amazing list of armor, and we all want some of that. Give me a belt of truth. That sounds cool. Can't get that at Walmart, right? So you, these, this stuff that you want, that you can use. And then he follows that whole thing up with no pressure, but with every prayer. In every request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert and persevere in every request for the saints. Maybe I read that a little different than you do, but that's, that sounds like a lot of pressure. Because if you're like me, there are times when the things that I'm going through are so hard, so difficult, so, so perplexing. I don't even know what to say. Have you ever been alone in your space, your prayer closet for me, it's my couch in my office. Have you ever been alone in your office and it's like you're going through it and you sit down to pray and you're just like, eh. you don't have the words. I don't even know what to say. I'm a little numb to be honest with you, God. I don't even know what to say. And you try and you're thinking Ephesians chapter six, pray in the spirit. And you're like, Grr. you're trying to squeeze out a prayer, but nothing's coming out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Did you know in those moments where you're just done, you're at your wit's end. Romans 8 says that the Spirit himself will take over and intercede for you. I don't understand all the theological implications of that, but it makes me want to call in the asset as often as I can. And I want you to listen to me. When we're submitted to the Holy Spirit, 
walking with the Spirit. We're committed to His help. When we're at our wits' end, this scenario, just like I just said, we don't have the words. We're just kind of numb. He's going to take it from there, right? The reason I say this for the last is because this should be a reminder that it is never about what we do. It's always about trusting in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you will abide in me and I in you, it'll get done. But if you try to squeeze that fruit out on your own, it's not going to happen. It comes from accessing your asset and believing that he is always <coughs> close and that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And he never withholds. Amen, saints.